Hi, this is Helen and Terry Norbo from Sweden. Welcome to our podcast, Reformation Scandinavia. We pray that this message will inspire you to a deeper intimacy with Jesus. Remember, you can reform and change your life for the eternity today. Enjoy this message. Welcome to our podcast, Reformation Scandinavia. My name is Taya, and together with me is my beautiful wife, Helen Norberg. And uh, we have our website also that you can check into and read more about what we are doing. The address of the website is reformationscandinavia.se. When you are on our website, you can also sign up for our weekly newsletter or weekly email. And if you find it so, you're welcome also to support our work in uh, Scandinavia and all over the world. But today we have this uh, wonderful guest on board, Dr. Yeah. Steve Green. Absolutely. So welcome to Reformation Scandinavia podcast. I'm so honored to join you too. What a blessing you are. And congratulations on show number 30. Yeah. You know, I'm an old guy, so I like things to last and that endure through pain and uh, it's not easy to host a podcast. It's a lot of work, a lot of study and planning. So I just bless you in Jesus' name and congratulate you and so happy for you. And Charisma Podcast Network is very honored to partner with you. Thank you Thank so you. much. So Thank we you. are talking about pioneering. This is something that is very uh, warming to our hearts. We, we really have it on our hearts to pioneer. And there is a need of pioneers to rise up. But if you would describe a pioneer, what would that be? Well, it's such a, a big question because uh, there are so many different types of pioneering. You know, in in United States, when we talk about pioneering, we think of uh, covered wagons and horses headed west to find new country and new land. And, you know, that's not really too different from what I think a pioneer is. But I want to define it for you almost in the way that I think about vision. And when I talk about vision, um, let, let's go back to the early pioneers and what they did. Uh, even the pilgrims who fled Europe and came to the United States, they were motivated uh, by pain. They wanted to get somewhere where they could have freedoms or get somewhere where they could uh, find a new way of living and create their own life. Vision, uh, when I define it in my church, is when you see something and it makes you cry, it affects you, and you want to do something about it, you're probably a pioneer. Mm -hmm. Because other people have walked right past what you looked at and it didn't move them. Or they lived with it all around them. The state of the world was this way all around them. And so they didn't see anything. They had no vision. Uh, they walked past in a, in a restaurant, when I see a napkin on the floor, I want to pick it up because I see the problem. I see that it's, it, it shouldn't be that way. Uh, when I see someone that's homeless on a street, it, it, it affects me. When I see someone that's hurting in a way that I feel like it could help, I think that's what drives us when we are looking at something and we're not happy with what we see and we want to do something about it. I think the essence of a pioneer bubbles up. A pioneer shows themselves by what they see. They see another way. They see a way forward. They see a lot of jungle they got to get through. They, they come armed with a machete, not a sword yet, 
Now you just, they come to a machete and they carve a path. So I'll, I'll talk more about it as we go. But I think that's the essence of a pioneer is they see what no one else has seen. They're first to see, first mm -hmm. to move. I call them first movers, the first person to take action and to do, it may be in a field other people have tried to do some things in, but uh, they're not quitters. They come in and they get busy and they see some way that no one else, they see a path that no one else has seen and they get after it. Yeah. Amen. And it's like an intercessor almost. Uh, yeah. Like our our friends, we have a common friend, Jennifer Ivas. She always started to say that intercessor saw something and she changed it because that yes. is that, that is also like a pioneer. They, they see something and they are determined to change Absolutely. it. I call her a pioneer. You know, prophetic, particularly prophets are very pioneering in spirit because they're saying uh, the Lord is showing me. Mm -hmm. Well, that means there are a lot of people in the room that didn't hear it, you know, and, and uh, you know, the Lord tells us through the word that a rock would speak if, if necessary, but when God wants to say something, it's, it's going to be said. What does it take to become a pioneer and how can you tell this person is a pioneer and this one is not? Well, I uh, like the way you look at a Christian as you look at fruit, that's always going to be one thing, you know, uh, vocation leaves breadcrumbs. You can see that throughout my life, I probably, when I interview people, I go all the way back to when they were five, six, seven years old and ask them about their, uh, did they win? What did, what was your early recall of being a winner of winning at Tiddlywinks or Parcheesi or what some board game? When did you find that you cared about the end you cared about the result, not that you were a, a sore loser or winner, but that you cared about the outcome. You cared enough to work hard at it. So I, I look for uh, characteristics such as uh, a leader would have. Uh, leaders are risk takers. They are not necessarily people pleasers. They want to help people, but they don't necessarily care what the popular opinion is. They care more about what God says to them. You know, a spiritual leader is different. They, they know that God has directed that path. So my machete, when I go to a path, I have full confidence, not that my will be done, but God's will be done as I take every slash with my machete through the woods, through the bamboo or whatever I've got to cut through. It's, I, I have got that staying power. Mm. So what I also look for and, and this is probably, uh, if a person is a spiritual pioneer, I know one thing about them. They have had some Omega experiences. When I pastored, I had so many people who were good alphas. They were starters. They came to me, pastor, I want to lead this new ministry. And, you know, I want to do it. I want to go into childcare and help out in childcare. And what I saw more than more times than I want to admit to you all I saw people who by two weeks came to me and said, well, I don't, I don't feel led to do that anymore. I feel led to go do this. And so they're not pioneers by any means because God will call and, and they get, they get a habit of being starters mm. and not finishers. Mm. And you've, you didn't get to where you two are now by 
uh, being starters without having some great Omega experiences. God loves finishers because God says that I'm the alpha and the Omega. The language is I'm the beginning and the end. And I love people who take a project to the end. And so who's God going to call to a, uh, a life of pioneering mm -hmm. people that they get hit in the face with that bamboo and those branches and those sticks and yes. maybe from some bad guys along the way that want to stop them. And yet they've got this resiliency. Yeah. Number one factor, they're resilient. Mm -hmm. They get knocked down, get back up. They don't quit. They don't come to the pastor and say, not me. I can't do it. Mm -hmm. They just have something that God knows when he calls them. He knows how he's made them. And he knows that they're going to finish. Mm -hmm. And so I want to have a resume of starting and finishing. I believe that if you would show the resume of uh, Paul, the apostle. Oh, my And if you would said you would go through, you know, um, almost be stoned several yeah. times, you would go through this and you go yeah. through that. Nobody with that kind of resume would take up the assignment. Yeah. Remember the problem he had with Barnabas because of Mark, mm. who was his little nephew, or they were. He, he was he was a family. Barnab Barnabas and Mark were family. Mm. So when. Paul said after the first mission trip, Mark wanted to come off the boat and go see his mama. Mm -hmm. He had to go see mama. He needed more of something from mom. He's young, but he ran and he left the, the mission trip and hurt the trip. Mm -hmm. So when it was time to go on number two trip, Barnabas said, let me gather Mark and we'll come back on. And Paul said, no way. Mark's not coming on mission trip. He's not a finisher. Mm -hmm. and, and the Bible tells us that Uh, Paul and Barnabas had strong disagreement mm -hmm. and they separated and they were doing so well on that first mission trip. They did so much work. They were anointed and powerful and had such a great ministry and they so separated over this one who could not finish. Mm -hmm. So what would the story look like if they actually would continue? If Mark would not leave for mama, but stayed on board and both Barnabas and Paul, what would You know, it would change I, I will say story. this, we saw God's in, he gets it done. Mm -hmm. God gets it done with another, other people. Mm -hmm. But I would say the losers, the people who didn't get the benefit that they could have gotten would have been Paul, Barnabas, and Mark, all three of the contestants. Mm -hmm. But Paul should have been the first to go to Barnabas and not make a deal, should have been a peacemaker, mm -hmm. should have been a leader. I don't see leadership in that exchange there. I think it's around Acts 10, somewhere in there Excellent. where this happened. And both of them could have had a better outcome, but God's intended outcome got finished somehow, some way, what he wanted to happen on that second mission trip happened. And we know that Paul and Mark got better because Paul prayed for him and said, give my regards. So right at the end of the book, he mentioned Mark a couple of different places, never mentioned Barnabas again. Yeah. Don't know what that means. It That's just didn't get written. That's interesting. But it makes me sad as a leader. And I use that example a lot of times because leaders get sideways with leaders. They all get uh, in their own way and they begin to say, my way, I'm right. I'm not doing it this way. I'm not doing it your way. And so they go at it and they have strong disagreement and it's not godly. It's certainly not the way we do things in the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And so you know that God dealt with both of them. But obviously the favor was on Paul. And you can see that favor beginning on Paul because early in Acts, it was 
it was Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas and Paul, and Barnabas spoke, and then Paul spoke up. And then somewhere before 10, it changed, and it was Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas. And you don't see much, so there was some jealousy or some something got in, some division got in there. Just very common leadership division. But again, it gets in the way of pioneers who are going to get on a boat and carve out a new mission field. If I'm going to be selfish and I'm going to worry about this and worry about that, I think that Paul learned from it because favor followed him. I don't know what happened to Barnabas, but my goodness, was he effective? Read about, in fact, he's the one that brought Paul in to the apostles and, and testified for him, or he never would have had anything. Had Barnabas not vouched for him, put his arm around him and say, he's of us, mm. Paul wouldn't have had anything. And God used that man to do that. So Barnabas had to have a good end. I just don't know what it was. Another thought is from Hebrews chapter 12. Yes. It's listing a bunch of people who did so many great things for the Lord without seeing the end result. Yeah. How would you define a stayer? Moses didn't see the last resort. There's many people that didn't see what God gave them, the vision they gave them. A stayer is moving toward an outcome, but he's so fully committed to next step, next step. What? All right, we finished that. What's next? Remember, um, oh, on the wall. Nehemiah. But, Nehemiah, thank you. He was on the wall and the bad guy is trying to get him to come down. He said, I'm doing a good work and cannot come down. I've used that to manage my family. I've taught it in family management where uh, we've been out every night of the week ministering, or I get a call and say, will you come over to the Chamber of Commerce and speak to us? And I have learned, it took me time to learn it, but I learned to say, I'm doing a good work and I cannot come down. The principle of the path, first heard it from Andy Stanley, who said, parents, you're, you're on a wall when you're raising them. When you still have them in the house, you're on that wall doing a good work and don't be distracted with work more work to bring you away from your core nest and your responsibilities in those formative years really convicted me. So pastor, I'll take that same result or that same language and say, we've got to be very careful when we're, when we know that we're the pioneer and that we're carving out a state, we're going to be distracted. We're, you know how Satan wins most battles with good, well-meaning people. He throws a shiny object at them. Yeah. Squirrel. You know, yeah. look over yeah. here, look over there. Uh -huh. you know, I don't know if there are Scandinavian squirrels, but I know that you have things that people look at and it changes their eyesight. It yeah. moves them. Yeah. So I used to preach to my church, what will move you today? Mm -hmm. Because something moved you yesterday. Did they yeah. take some candy in front of you and yes. try to distract you? Yes. And, and it's good. He distracts us with good. Oh, I have an opportunity to speak on CNN and I'm going to go speak and change the world but I'm going to leave my church to do it. And I'm going to have this going on. And that I have to leave something that I said I was going to finish. Yeah. And it, at worst, at the, at the easiest case, I'm going to delay the project. Mm -hmm. So we have to be so committed that nothing can turn my head. And the, because if God gave me the priority, if God said, do it, then I'm not sure he changed his mind 75% way through. He didn't say, just kidding go over here and finish this now, go do this. You know, I, I've got to know that I'm making the progress I was called to make. That has to be what drives me. 
finish the wall, Nehemiah. And I, what I hear you say is uh, with these bamboo sticks and all this is that uh, you need to have your focus and op opposition will come. Every pioneer will meet opposition and you need to have your forehand as flint and your heart soft as butter. Uh, so yeah. you, you need to know that opposition will come, but you need to have these uh, blinders like the horses. You just yes. keep your focus. Where am I going? People's opinion will come, but they will not distract me because I will go and run the race that God has set me oh, on. I just want to add salt and pepper to what you said. And, and I want to make my point. Everything you said, we will face opposition. The One of the biggest enemies that pastors, leaders, real competent people have to look for, keep up our dukes. What we have to watch for is success, doing well. And so we get asked to do other things. That That is a trick of the devil. It is very much trickery to have us enjoy early success. I know when I'm opposed I'm doing, it's good. There's something going on and I'm going to be able to fight through it. I don't like the valleys. I don't like them anymore than anybody else does, but I know God's in it and God's going to bless me. I'm going to learn and I'm going to get so much better. People are going to break my trust. People, I've got to forgive along the way. R.T. Kendall's great book on forgiveness, uh, total forgiveness. What a book it was. It's so been ministering to me lately because I came out of something that I've had to be healed of. And I'm saying, the saints, my goodness, the best trainer I have for what God has for me next is to come through forgiveness. It's the hardest thing we'll ever be asked to do. And we must have victory over anyone who tries to hold us back and we and they attack us. And so we feel hurt and befriended. And, and that's exactly what we do. And then we don't forgive. And then we're in trouble. Yeah. We can't move forward. We're not going to get the anointing. You know, when you're a total forgiver, your anointing grows. Mm -hmm. And so the anointing, what's the anointing? Finish the task. Be an omega finisher. Yeah. The often omega is comes with anointing and grace. Mm -hmm. You know, when the Holy Spirit is upset with us, uh, we're going to heaven. We're going we're gonna to be with God. But I'm saying we're going to have a hard trip along the way until we get, we stop grieving the Holy Spirit with our lack of forgiveness. Absolutely. In a previous episode of uh, the Charisma podcast, we had an episode called uh, Intercession or Prayer for a Godless Nation. And we talked to you before the show about Sweden being called a, a godless nation and one of the most secular nations in the world. What kind of pioneer would it take to pioneer in a nation like Sweden or Scandinavia or in Europe? Well, I start with the book of Acts because there were godless nations that Paul went into and they were attacked like terrible. The persecution on them was terrible. A godless nation makes me sad, makes me cry out for them. And so if I see a godless nation, I might look at it with the eyes of a pioneer and see an opportunity for God, which is what Paul did. Paul was called in those countries, even passed up a country. And God said, no, don't go there yet. I have another place I want you to go. Remember that? Mm -hmm. He couldn't go in. The, the Holy Spirit said, no, you're not going there. He sent him somewhere else. Paul was wanting to go there because he was crying. He was full of vision, but it wasn't the Lord's will at that moment. And so I think when I would, if I step foot in a godless nation, as I have in places in Africa, uh, the burden comes so heavy. 
so hard. And so do the witch doctors. And so do the attackers. And so do the people who try to drive me out of their country. And at the, at the gate, even, they don't want me to come into their country. That's how they do it. But if I'm in a godless nation, you know, being uh, lukewarm is worse, much worse. At least we know what we're dealing with and how we have to pray and how we have to finish the work God. God says for me to move it as far as I've got the anointing to move it. The grace that he's given me, this is the, 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 the favor that's on me to move the country as far as I can take it to do the work God's called me to do and to be single-minded and to be resilient in my calling, not in the great need that I still see, but that great need, every time I walk out and I feel the oppression, I feel the lack, I'm more motivated to make sure I finish. I'm doing a good work and I cannot come down. Amen. If I say Scandinavia, what will be the first thing that you think of? Oh my, I think of skiing. I think of winter. I think of, uh, I thought, I think of as happy people. It's strange, but remember I'm an American and living in most of my life in the South and the Midwest. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a scholar, I'm educated and I know people, I know international marketing, but I still look at the people as being very satisfied with their lives. They think they're living in part of the best, especially Sweden and living in the best country in the world. And, I just feel like they're self-satisfied. They, they get what they want, maybe in a Viking kind of way. So to me, Scandinavia, we have an expression in the United States called YOLO, you only live once. And that's what I think people are more into self-gratification. And, and maybe they take care of others. I'm, I haven't lived there or been there, so I don't know. But I don't think they wake up in the morning saying, who can I serve? Where, I mean, I believe that's what, the essence of a country has to be for it to grow and prosper godly-wise. I have a second thought about speaking about Scandinavia, since our vision for our entire work is Reformation Scandinavia. So if we add the word Reformation to the word Scandinavia, how does it change for you? Uh, a lot in, in a way that it's godly uh, vision, godly goal with great difficulty. I, before I even met you, I knew that that would be a very hard country to win for the Lord. But uh, it didn't stop uh, the disciples from going where they were told not to go. Didn't stop them at all. And, and they faced persecution when they walked in. You just face apathy and maybe derision. People make fun of you. But uh, you still feel the call of the Lord. You still feel the anointing of God to do your work. And so th those that, uh, I think it's a, it's a mission that must be completed mm. because they're good people. Mm. They're such good people. And uh, I think they're family oriented. I, I think it's just, it's just a silly American spouting out things that I think I know. But you know, pioneering is a very lonely work. And yeah, oh my. It may be. What would you say to them, to, uh, to the lonely pioneers out there who's, who might be listening to this? Very good question. And probably the most important question of the meeting. And it would be first, make sure that you press in to the Lord in a way 
that will sustain you when you're in an in unsustainable country, when you're in a place that is not going to encourage you. Like right now, we have each other. We can get on a Zoom call and encourage each other and say, you can do it, brother. Go stay. Go fight. Don't come off that, that wall. You can do it. When, and you don't have too many places to go. You can't go to the corner pub and have anyone encourage you, right? You're just not to the grocery or whatever the, the right name is. Nowhere will you go. Are you going to get it? So my source, I, I, I must have been well-trained in pressing in, hearing the voice of God. I know how to worship, pray, and get counsel from the Bible before I ever would go to a hard place. That, that that's you're lonely not if you do those i won't have a lonely day if i know how to press in through worship through prayer and through the word of god mm-hmm. if i've got a great life if i'm sustainable in my own little petty valleys he didn't speak to me what's she mad at me about or they said they never want to talk to me again they left my church if that if that ends you and that moves you you probably don't need to be thinking about being a pioneer because it's much worse to pioneer something where you have enemies. Having a pioneering spirit, may that look different in different parts of the world? Certainly. Well, because I believe as different as it would be in the seven mountains, let's say I'm in the education mountain or I'm in the science mountain, uh, different skill sets are required to minister on those mountains. Different skill sets. The pioneer has to have the same characteristics, same basic core, but they have to be educated. And that's why there's such good mission training. A good mission force doesn't get sent out without culturalization. First, learn the culture you're going to go into. Well, you know, if you're going to pioneer, you probably need to know the land. Mm. You probably need to be trained. In, and the, because you did a good job in uh, Nigeria doesn't mean you're going to do okay in Scandinavia. The skill sets are co- totally different. Mm. Uh, your ability to press on you may have been, a, you were trained to do uh, a Nigerian way of persevering, but that won't work for you at all over there. So that skill set's not, it's not going to help you. And so you've got to be very trainable, teachable uh, to go along with everything else. It, I tell people first, do some work in your own zip code. You know, before you go to Africa, which every new convert of my church felt led to go to Africa. You know, once they meet Jesus for the first time, they want to go ye to Africa. I've never heard anyone say to me, they want to go to Scandinavia. (laughs) Never have I heard that at the altar or Canada, you know, which is a desolate country. I mean, they, for, for God, for God's people, just very hard on, on Christians. So I'd say, yes, sir. They're so different. And the, the, yes, you still must persevere, but the way you persevere is much different. You still have to worship and pray and read and press, press into the power of the Holy Spirit. But you've got to have skill sets that are trained by God. It's interesting that you um, have mentioned Nigeria a couple of times now, because we ourselves have been to Nigeria five times. And before the first time, the more we studied about the nation, the more we read about the terrorist organization, Boko Haram. Doctors. So, so yes, and we, <laughs> that too. <laughs> but we had to decide. So instead of filling ourselves with fear, we had to stop studying and Googling online. 
and just close that book and instead go to the Bible. So instead yeah. of filling ourselves with fear, we had to start filling ourselves with faith. Mm. But Terry, you had to count the cost. Yeah. It's one thing to know everything and still go. It's the other thing to go and be naive and then realize that I can't do this. I'm not called for this. I don't know about these things. Mm -hmm. and you've got to be aware of the cost to be able to count them. Mm -hmm. So the study must proceed. I mean, if you're called by God and if you're told to get in the boat and go, then you go. Mm -hmm. But I think few people are called that way, that, that automatic pull you up by the nap of your hair and drop you down in some country. I, I just don't think it's wise today. Yeah. But God knows if God calls somebody and they know they're called, then they'll be okay. But I'm, I'm just answering your question. Is there a difference? Yes, sir. There's a difference. Yeah. I would just want to wrap it up and say that this was amazing advice. Count the cost. Keep pushing. Don't give up. And just keep plowing the ground because there will be fruit. There will be fruit of your labor. So don't give up. And when God has called you to pioneer, mm -hmm. just keep on walking on be that a road. Be, be a, a finisher. finisher. Be at the omega. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so this was amazing, Dr. Green. And we just thank you so amazingly much. And we ask if you kindly could pray for the Scandinavian people. Uh, yes. But I want to say one last thing. I want to close this off by uh, really uh, speaking life into you two and into your ministry and say you're doing a good work and don't come down off that wall. There'll be so many opportunities to, so easy to come off the wall, so hard to stay on it. So be encouraged, be of good cheer. I exhort you. I, uh, I, I'm amazed by your work and so thankful for you. So let me pray for you now and for the people of Scandinavia, okay? Thank you. So Father, first I give thanks for these pastors, these leaders, these folks that are have pioneered in their own country. The hardest place to pioneer is in your home. You know, there are people right now who are trying to pioneer in the home that they have a family in. And because of their past or because of their traditions, they can't even lead their family because of the battles they go through. So for these two leaders, I pray extra strength, a fresh anointing, more energy, more resolve, more uh, focus upon the Omega experience. Let them see the promised land. Let them see the Omega experience in Scandinavia. Let them look out upon the country and say, it once was this, but now it's this. And Lord, to be thankful and to praise you with every small victory with everyone who claims the name of Jesus for the first time. Let them celebrate that. And Lord, would you give them more of those experiences? Would you encourage them with salvations? Show them people who need the Lord and are ready. We pray for the power of conviction to fall across the land of Scandinavia and all the countries that come under that title. Lord, we pray conviction by the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray that they would seek you that they would wake up in the morning with some desire. Something has happened in their heart that would cause their heart to soften toward Jesus Christ. Let their hearts be made whole by that which they seek, the truth of seeking the, the one true God in their life. Let them realize that there is more to life than living today. 
Let them understand eternity and the great call on their lives for finishing uh, as one who will enter eternity. For these pastors, again, give them wisdom, give them funding, give them strength, give them friends, uh, give them fruit. Lord, we just pray this in a mighty, powerful name of Jesus, and we expect good reports from the land of Scandinavia. We expect good reports. We don't do this downtrodden. We do it as one who has already tasted victory. We already see it in our vision. We see the country bowing every knee and every tongue confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. The three of us join now and agree with all those who listen on a podcast and prayed with us. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus and claim it done. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Reformation Scandinavia. If you have been blessed, please share this message. Make sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen. We would love to stay connected with you. To receive our newsletter and to give to our ministry, go to reformationscandinavia.se. Maybe you have a relationship to Scandinavia. Send us an email and tell us more about it. Be blessed and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah.